My name is Rick, the host of Real People USA. And the goal of Real People USA is to showcase America's finest individuals and small business owners. We support political candidates who want that extra boost through podcast interviews to show their constituents that their campaigns care about the communities before, during, and after elections. Real People USA is a pro-capitalism platform which advocates for more Americans to embrace the free enterprise system, which is the top source for our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And Real People USA also uh, discusses topics of the day, and we uh, invite guests to talk about uh, topics pertaining to uh, politics and other issues regarding the United States of America. Today's podcast episode is titled, Donald Trump Was Right, The Candace Owens versus Kimberly Classic Issue, and the ongoing uh, discussion about uh, raising money as candidates. And, you know, if people are serious about running, hey, I know that was a long title. It's uh, two o'clock in the morning. It's Sunday morning. And I just could not sleep. Plus, I have a long, uh, busy Sunday. And when you can't sleep because some topic is on your mind, you just have to get up and talk about it and, and get it out there uh, just to clear your own head. Because there is a lot going on right now. And it was so exciting to see Donald Trump on television last night in Ohio. Uh, the guy has not lost a step and who knows what may happen uh, as a result of these audits that are that are proving that the election of 2020 was a big-time fraud event in those states and probably in more states than the six Uh, your host here Rick of the real people USA podcast lives in California And I always tell people that California is still a red state. We just have these people that are running the state, which I believe they have cheated on votes here in California uh, for the last maybe three to four elections going back uh, to 2004. So anyway, yeah, today's topic, like I mentioned, Donald Trump was right. Kimberly Klasik versus Candace Owens and their hot debate they have right now. And tomorrow I am interviewing a New York City congressional candidate. I won't say her name uh, today. She'll be a podcast interview uh, tomorrow, but she will talk about something similar to what Donald Trump was talking about what Kimberly Clasic and Candace Owens are going back and forth about and what that is it's how it may be that the GOP uh, machine is not really or always interested in putting successful candidates out there to run now I noticed this I guess about maybe back in 2012 yeah it was 2012 when John McCain and Sarah Palin 
were on the ticket. Now, as far as I am concerned, Sarah Palin was the most powerful person on that ticket, not John McCain. Now, John McCain and the GOP, they look like they silenced Sarah Palin. Because I was not excited about John McCain. I'm a military veteran. Uh, John McCain has a history that goes back, uh, I think, to the to the 60s. And uh, his history with, with, with the military is not too stellar. Let me just put it that way. So a lot of people heard something about John McCain and it just never died. Whether it was true or false, it just never died. So Sarah Palin was the most exciting person on that ticket. Yet the GOP and John McCain uh, kept her silent. So it seems like John McCain didn't really want to win against Barack Obama. Just That's just a feeling that a lot of uh, Republicans had. So then you look at what, what Donald Trump has been saying, and you look how, how Donald Trump, when he started his campaign, he didn't hire the typical consultants. He didn't uh, hire the Karl Rose. He did not go to these, uh, these traditional Republican uh, think tanks. He did his own thing. And I believe because he shunned many of these Republican think tanks, they came after him or they became never Trumpers. So I believe Trump was right to do that because now we see that these uh, some of these political consultants, it seems like they're only after the money and they could give a damn if the GOP candidate wins. And that's what Trump was sort of indirectly saying when he said, uh, you know, talked about the fake news and he talked about the Washington, D.C., you know, uh, a crime, not crime machine, although it could be. And he talked about the, the, the Washington, D.C. establishment. That's what he was talking about. So it seems like Donald Trump has exposed so much stuff just in the last you know, five to six years. And the American people are so thankful that he exposed some of this craziness, uh, some of this uh, fraud that's going on. We would have never known the fraud that is going on. And we all know that on November 3rd, 2020, when many of these states, maybe six to eight of these states, shut down their election tabulation to give us the results in the same time frame at the during at the same uh, you know late night like they did in 2016 because in 2016 uh, Trump was declared the winner I think it was about two o'clock on the West Coast so that was five o'clock on the East Coast so at 10:30 on the West Coast one o'clock 1:30 on the East Coast five, six, seven states shut down uh, the vote, the counting. And that's when I knew that something was up. Donald Trump was up so much in Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania and Michigan and uh, Wisconsin and maybe one other state. I think Nevada. Yes, Nevada was a big cheater, in my opinion, that they shut down the vote and they went to plan B, which 
was to introduce all of these um, fake ballots and, and it's just it was just a mess and but the American people we know so again Donald Trump exposed the corruption and the people who voted for Trump and I think even more people now since we went through uh, this uh, phony lockdown stuff with this COVID-19 hoax even more people now are supportive of the America First Agenda. I'm a black male, been black all my life, grew up in the hood in Tampa, Florida. Um, I see it. My sons, uh, uh, two of my sons uh, voted for uh, Donald Trump. The other one uh, didn't vote, just getting out of college, didn't know what was going on. But we know now. So that's 75 million. I think the number was 100 million people that supported Donald Trump out of the 130 uh, eligible voters. So next, I want to move on to the uh, the Kim Klasik, uh, Candace Owens uh, feud. And this feud, I sort of heard about it like a week ago when Candace Owens was talking about a, a Republicans running as professional campaigners. In other words, what the, I think I saw maybe about a minute of it or two minutes of it. And I think that was all that was there to see. And what she was saying was that there's there are people running in the Republican Party in these con- congressional races and maybe even some of the state races just to make the money, to get the money from the uh, federal government for running. I, I'm not sure how much that is. Maybe it's $8,000, $12,000, or it could be even, even higher. Then to get the money from the donors when they know they have very little chance of winning. Now, the chance of winning is subjective. If you don't have a great message, then you're probably going to lose against Democrats. Then we know the cheating element is there. So even if you come close, the Democrats have this way of saying, uh, Republican candidate, you got 41.9% of the vote. Democrat candidate got 58.1% of the vote. So the Republican says, man, I got 41% of the vote. The Democrat got 59% of the vote. Man, I did great. Man, I'm just going to work harder, harder the next time to do even better. And behind the scenes, you know, the Democrat may have lost. And the Republican says, okay, man, that's, that's everything was fair. I did great. You know, I got campaign money. I got donors. I got a base. And uh, it could have been that the Republican candidate did win. And now we know because of all these phony ballots and how um, it looks like how Democrats run their elections, uh, many Republicans could have won going back, you know, 20 years especially here in California. California is a red state. Don't let anyone tell you it's a blue state. You know, it may seem like a blue state based on these phony election results, but California is a red state. From the the northern uh, third of the state, um, the the central section of the third of the state, from Sacramento down to maybe uh, Bakersfield, 
red state, even with San Francisco in there. San Francisco, when I was a club DJ back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, San Francisco was 55% Republican. And in this last election, and now I'm talking about the third, the bottom third of the state, 55% of Beverly Hills residents voted for Donald Trump. And you saw what happened during these uh, uh, Black Lives uh, Matter protests that they tried to destroy uh, Beverly Hills and Santa Monica. You had a lot of people in Santa Monica who voted for Donald Trump, and they may not have voted for Donald Trump if it were not for the riots. So I'm just letting people know California is still a red state, and I believe the state of California has been lying and cheating on these votes. So, again, you know, you win or, or, or again, you lose the election, you collected some donor money, you got some, some maybe some federal money to run, and that person may say, I'm going to run again because either I was close to winning, I got 40%, I got 35% of the vote, or the pay is just too great. The pay is just too great. And this was the, the, the catalyst, I believe, that drove Candace Owens to start talking about uh, candidates who run just for the money. And, and perhaps there's not um, enough good clients or better said, the clients who are running, they don't have a good campaign uh, you know, staff and they don't have a good message. And maybe she was talking about that. Then enter Kimberly Clasic, uh, and I'm not sure if she was the, the, the initial target of Candace Owens' comments, because I can tell you right now, there are several uh, candidates, and I would say at least, just here in California, I can tell you at least like four or five candidates who have been running over and over again and collecting big-time donor money. And, you know, and, and I never really see them doing anything great or saying anything great they're just collecting the money and maybe they are waiting for the incumbent to die or retire so that they can have uh, the number one spot or have a better chance of winning the election I'm not sure but but Candace Owens uh, talked about this and for some reason I'm not sure of, of why the reason but Kimberly Clasic decided to uh, jump in and, and, and speak on something that Can Candace was talking about. And uh, Kimberly pretty much said, hey, you know, you know, please support uh, black Republicans running in these uh, predominantly black cities so more people will understand the black Republican message and, uh, and support black Republicans and let's start the shift in the urban communities to get more blacks or to get just more Democrats voting for Republicans in these urban cities and I believe uh, Kimberly is from Baltimore and I've been to Baltimore and it is a, uh, a, a big Democrat stronghold with a uh, sizable black community so for some reason Kimberly you know sort of went back at, at Candace and they started this battle back and forth and 
Uh, so, you know, Kimberly said some things and Candace released this video. I think it was 45 minutes of video on Instagram. And I recommend people watch it. Now, I'm not here to talk about the details, uh, the gritty details of, of, of what each said about the other. What Candace Owens said about Kimberly Klasik and what Kimberly Klasik said about Candace Owens. My whole point was, or my whole point is, you know, how can Republicans do better in this campaigning game? And um, so, you know, like I said, Candace Owens made some accusations about uh, Kimberly's Klasik's, um finance record on, I guess it's the Federal Election Committee and how the money was spent and uh, you know who got paid and, and, and uh, who was working with the campaign and, and were their businesses or the people that were uh, helping Kimberly Klasik were their companies legit and Kimberly Klasik responded in a way uh, to say that everything was up and up and uh, don't you know don't don't um, look at my past you know there was a little past there little occupation thing going on and uh, so that's where they are now now my thing about the two arguments or the two or the debate between Candace and Kimberly is the whole uh, reason why I'm doing this podcast about uh, campaigning now I used to be a vice president at a fortune 500 company as a sales manager and I will tell you Based on how I, based on looking at sales as, as a sales manager, selling, you know, uh, you know, having a monthly uh, uh, sales number of, of of incoming sales coming in of like three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars per month. That's what I used to manage. Uh, these are the type of sales I used to perform in Los Angeles County. I can tell listeners that selling is very similar to running a political campaign in terms of reaching out to people. And that was, or this is the reason why I'm doing this podcast episodes, because um, although sales is about a product or service, so is running a political campaign. Running that political campaign is about getting the message out to people and, and growing the number of people to hear that message. And that messaging part is so important. Just to give you an example, just looking back at at several uh, congressional candidates, and maybe even some in the Senate, but the, the congressional candidate seems to be the person that has little to no experience uh, coming in to, to be a member of Congress. Uh, their term is like two years. So, so the, the congressional campaign or the congressional races are, are very fluid meaning there's always something happening and there's always somebody looking uh, to throw their hat in the ring to say I want to run for Congress being that a running a political campaign is very similar to being in sales and bringing a product or service to the market what I'm seeing is that these congressional candidates they don't have a strong message and what they may consider to be a strong message turns out to be 
uh, a personal message or something that they have a, a conviction about, but not necessarily the people who they are asking to vote for them, if that makes sense. So when I see people talking about uh, abortion or they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, see, I can't even think of, I mean, they're all over the place. I mean, constitutional you know, things like this, or like I said, abortion, or they're talking like Second Amendment. And if you are a smart Republican uh, candidate, you want to talk about uh, items that are, that are important to Americans in general, both Republican and Democrat. And that's the reason why Donald Trump was successful. He didn't win because he focused on some of these traditional Republican uh, platform items, which kind of in a sense are pretty boring. I mean, I'm a Second Amendment guy. You know, I support, you know, the, a lot of the family values uh, that are in the conservative movement. But those are not the reasons or those are not the things that drive my life on a regular basis. The things that drive my life on a regular basis, and I would say would drive a Democrat's life on a regular basis, uh, is or are the things such as the ability to have a job, the ability to run a business without any major government interference. The second thing would be, you know, I, I have three sons that are all out of uh, uh, K through 12, and the last one just graduated from college like a year ago. So the things regarding children and education would be I want my kids to learn how to read, write, and, and do arithmetic. I don't want them to, to learn about uh, female gender studies or, or, or transgender uh, issues or be told that they're second-class citizens because they're black. I, and I don't want that. I mean, I didn't grow up like that. I, didn't, I don't want critical race theory, you know, all up in my face and being taught to my kid, you know? You know, I was a Fortune 500 uh, sales manager, vice president, you know? critical all that you know racial uh you know stuff that they're trying to cram down our throats didn't affect me all three of my sons have college degrees and they all work in the tech sector you know so uh this is a plot in my opinion of the democrat party uh and, and i don't think it's really impacting uh whites too much i mean if you're if you're white and you know you have a, a legacy in your family then you're not going to let critical race theory take away the legacy and your beliefs that you've had in your family if your great-grandfather was important and he did a lot of great things and he had a son which was, which was your grandfather he did something and, he, and it was important and he had a son that was your father and he did something that was important you're going to do the same you're going to follow the legacy in your family and this critical race theory bs is not going to impact you but i'll tell you who it's going to impact it's going to impact impact uh, the black person who is being told over and over and over again since the 1960s that he or she is a second-class citizen. So the, the critical race theory, in my opinion, it's a Trojan horse not to uh, take down uh, white America and to make them feel bad about being white and having white privilege. The critical race theory thing is, is a, like I said, a Trojan horse to inflict even more pain, misery, and destruction on black people. And, and that's how I feel about it. So, 
the, the Candace Owens, Kimberly Clasic uh, thing is, is, is very important. And what I will say about each one of them, as I get to the close of this podcast episode, I love Candace Owens. Uh, she did something uh, with her, I think it's Turning Point is her organization. She did something and she uh, should be saluted for what she did. Now, if I were going after Candace Owens about anything, I would think twice because this black woman's pencil is very sharp. She is very swift on her feet. She is like a, uh, a, a high uh, memory, uh, super fast computer. <laughs> and she processes information very fast. I would not uh, go to a gunfight with the, with the water gun uh, and Candace Owens would have a, a, a real gun. <laughs> I would not do that only because, like I said, she is swift on her feet. She has her facts and details at, at, the, at, the, at the tip of her tongue. Okay, so I like Candace Owens because she represents, uh, she's like the database or the, uh, the, the wisdom of talking about how uh, you know politicians and talking about Republicans and talking about black issues. Now, as I as I believe, she grew up in the hood in Connecticut, so she didn't grow up with a silver spoon in her mouth. So I do appreciate appreciate that because I grew up in the hood. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, where my mom and dad were both drug addicts, and my father was the drug dealer. He gave the drugs to my mom. And I grew up in a troubled home from the age of like 11 to 16 with, uh, with drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes and people doing heroin in the bathroom. And I saw that between the ages of 11 and 16 years old in Tampa, Florida, in the community of Belmont Heights, okay, on Tampa's east side. So I do appreciate uh, Candace's rise from, uh, from, 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 meager means to where she is now. Now, in terms of Kimberly Clasic, I do admire her as well. And the reason why I admire her is because she was one of the few people that would go into the community of Baltimore. And if, if you've never been to Baltimore, let me tell you, that is a, a city where there's like major issues within the black community. Um, seems like all the cities where the, the, where there's water and there's a port and uh, you know drugs can come in and all different types of um, you know riffraff uh, can happen you know it's it's it seems like these urban cities have always been problems for black America and that's because the Democrats want it to be a problem for black America it's like their way of saying you know this is we want to put you in these big cities and so we can keep, keep our eyes on you. You know, it's almost like, um, I would say, some parts of America and urban America, uh, these Democrats are telling blacks, almost like a, a prison warden would say, hey, you got it good in this six by, or this eight by, uh, or this 10 by six, 10 by eight uh, prison cell. What are you complaining about? You know, you have uh, you have some food to eat. We'll give, make sure you have some food. We we will give you these uh, very small uh, places to live. These projects, these row houses, 
like they have in Baltimore. Um, you know, you could send your kids to school. Damn it if they learn something. Damn it if they don't. Who cares? You know, you could send them to school. And uh, and, 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 and the urban radio stations will let you listen to the best hip-hop and R&B. I'm going back to my DJ days in San Francisco. Uh, we'll give you the best radio station that plays, you know, all the Jay-Z music you want, all the uh, Beyonce music you want, the Ja Rule and, uh, you know, and, and 50 Cent and, and, and Janet Jackson. And we will just tell you all day long how great it is to be a Democrat while you live in pain, misery, and destruction. So like I said, the metaphor that I'm using is like a prison guard in this big tower and broadcasting to all of you know Black America and these urban communities, telling them that everything is fine as they live in pain, misery, and destruction. So that's what Kimberly Clasic uh, went after. That was her challenge. That was the battle that she that she chose to fight. She chose to fight the Democrat machine that is inflicting pain, misery, and destruction on the black community. And she did it the best way that she knows how. Now, um, when she did it, one of the things in terms of messaging. And this is one of the things I, 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 I recommend to people running for uh, Congress, especially in urban areas. And like I said, I equate running for office and, and campaigning the same way I would look at uh, putting together a, a marketing plan to market a legitimate product with a legitimate uh, message. And that product is a good product. That product or service is, is a good product. And as a sales manager, you must believe in your product. You can't sell a product knowing that the product has faults and defects and it will not work. That is a psychological uh, uh, thunderstorm, so to speak. Why would you sell or want to market a product where you know it doesn't work? See? So anyone running for office, especially you know, black Republicans running in, in black urban areas, you must believe your product is a good product and you gotta have a great message. So what I was about to say about Kimberly, I always wondered why, just looking at some of her, her ads and um, what she talked about, why she always spent time making videos in the hood. I even emailed her about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And I said, Kimberly, and I never heard, I think I got a one re short reply about let's, let's talk or something like that, but never had a chance to actually speak with her. It was via email. And I said, why not uh, focus on the people who have the most to lose in your district and that would be the business owners and like I mentioned before business owners uh, parents with kids and I didn't I stopped right there but the other three are uh, the community you know helping uh, elevate the status of the community there's a, a saying that that goes like this during high tide all ships rise so to make the community better and 
you know, community community is a code word for black community. That's that's what I believe at least. So to make the black community better, you have to elevate the status of the community. That means those small business owners that I mentioned in number one, they have they must have, the business owners must have a good climate so they can hire people. The number two item, the parents with kids and education. The education must be about the three R's and not none of this other crap so that these these kids can uh, grow up and, and graduate from high school and uh, go to technical training school, tech school, learn how to weld, be an electrician. Some go to college. I'm not sure if going to college is, is uh, the best thing right now, let me tell you. Um, when I went to college and studied economics, that's all we studied. That's all we talked about was economics. It wasn't about you know, uh, whether or not a, a guy is really a guy or, or, or a woman is really a woman. You know, it was about economics and also had two years of engineering school before I switched to economics. So that's what I went to school for. And it was a great experience. And this was in San Francisco where I went to school. You see what I'm saying? So even in San Francisco in the 80s and 90s, we focused on the three R's. And in college, I uh, went to school in Tampa, but in, in the college, we focused on what was in the book and how to master the, 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 the techniques and the lessons in the book and pass the test to go out to be productive citizens. And again, this was in San Francisco in the, the late 80s, early 90s. So uh, the fourth one would be the Constitution. Second Amendment, like I said, I believe in these items, but Republicans should not just talk about these items that only really um, have maybe a 5% uh, influence on people. Uh, and then the fifth one would be election, election integrity, and that is a very important one now we see. Uh, we, we see that we had a lot of weak Republicans that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that punked the Republican voters because they didn't stand up. You know, one of one of those people were, was uh, Mike Pence, in my opinion. I think he showed himself not to be the person he claimed to be. So, um, having that this that one email with Kent with uh, Kimberly Clasey, I said, why not reach out to the small business owners, to the parents with children? But all the videos that I saw was her talking about the hood and cleaning up trash in Baltimore and all the videos I saw with her in Baltimore it had I didn't see any, any people that would represent a large working class of people I think she had a few videos with some, uh, some homeless people and some people uh, that she was helping when she was cleaning up the trash in Baltimore so that's what I saw, and it just puzzled me why a person like herself, who looks very sharp, uh, who says that she had a business and she was working with uh, something like 100 or 200 women, you know, uh, you know, start and get jobs or start businesses, I wondered why I didn't see that in her videos. It would have probably been more impactful to help her campaign. But I didn't see it. So now we have 
uh, Candace Owens and Kimberly Clasic talking about the very issue that I identified two years ago and the same issue that I'm, I'm working on today to help a few candidates with messaging. Again, pick a message that resonates with Americans. The message does not have to resonate just with, Rep with Republicans because the pure Republican issues don't impact our daily lives, I mean, in, in, in a big way. But working, uh, having our kids edu educated, seeing our communities thrive, um, having the rule of law, like supporting our police departments, and, and having a constitution where every, everyone follows, including the Supreme Court, and having a, a process when you vote, your vote count, your vote counts. And the only the, the legal votes count, not some votes that were Xeroxed that didn't have folds in them, as we're finding out in, I think, in Arizona, maybe even Georgia. They, they, they even covered votes that were sent through the machine, and the votes did not have a fold in them, meaning the votes were not in the envelope. The votes were not put in the envelopes. They didn't have like a trifold or a double fold. And, uh, and therefore, why did these ballots not have any bowls in them and we're talking about you know 100,000 votes I think it was in the state of Georgia and then we got this thing about with the machines so anyway tomorrow's podcast guest is out of New York City and she is a hardcore Republican and a business owner and she's going to put the icing on the cake I believe with how uh, Republican candidates may be getting uh, a, a bad deal with local and state and perhaps national GOP organizations. And I think she's going to spill the beans. We talked for an hour uh, from California to New York. We talked for an hour about this issue. And I see exactly what she's saying. She is spot on with how these local, state, and federal GOP organizations, not all of them, but it seems like they're only in it for the money. And that's a damn shame. Uh, you know, based on what I heard from this, this person that, that I will interview tomorrow, it's a damn shame that I, I will say, I believe it's true. I believe it's true. I believe there are some GOP local, state, and federal organizations, including the consultants. The only thing they want to do is make sure they take home six figures for their organizations or seven figures. I get these calls from the RNC and, it, and the calls. I'm not even sure if it's a real RNC, to be honest with you, but I do get emails from the RNC and they say, donate, donate. And I'm saying, hell no, I'm not donating. Not unless you put up good candidates and you give them uh, some training and on how to message and you work for them. And finally, I will say, if you are a congressional candidate and you are using these digital platforms like Facebook and uh, Twitter or something or Instagram and you're, and you're thinking these social media platforms are helping you, then you're foolish. These platforms are not for Republicans. 
Don't people get that by now? You'd be better off doing something on your own. I wouldn't even rely on the U.S. Postal Service if you are a Republican. That's just my opinion. I would not rely on sending out mailers and you got a big ass R next to your name and the Postal Service, we saw what happened with them in that, in that New York to Pennsylvania guy that was driving the truck full of fake ballots. We saw that he was interviewed. He testified about that under oath. Or he, no, he didn't testify. He gave a sworn affidavit under oath that he was telling the truth. Anyway, there are so many stories about like ballots just turning up and, and you know, like in Los Angeles, they had uh, a video. This lady was filming it. And this, these people, three or four days after the election, they're picking up duffel bags of ballots. Duffel bags. Come on. So anyway, if you're running your, camp- your campaign, I will say do it the old fashioned way. Go out and meet people. You know, have some type of a billboard where people are, uh, they will see it because they're driving past it. You know, start a podcast. Get, you know, you can't even get on most radio shows. Urban radio shows will not have GOP candidates. Why is that? Is that because they don't want uh, urban voters to hear the GOP message? Anyway, long story, you know that's what's going on. It's, it's water under the bridge. You know that's what's going on. So anyway, my name is Rick, the founder of Real People USA, the podcast. And if you want to be a guest on the Real People USA podcast, please email me at rpusa at protonmail.com. And again, if you're using Google, Yahoo for your email address and you're a Republican, they're probably seeing reading what you're sending so i recommend everyone go to proton mail get a 500 megabyte free account and then you can upgrade your account if you want something bigger um, something more personal if you have a domain name but again if you want to be a guest please email me at rpusa at protonmail.com thanks for listening and make it a great day